it's so good to be with you. We've had a great rally this these last few days. It's really been fun. It's been a great time. An excellent ministry and uh, good things. And the word of the Lord, Marvin, is Psalm 32 and verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with mine eye upon you. That's a wonderful word. I gave it to you before. I feel impressed to give it to you again. Isn't that great? I'll guide you with my eye upon you. That means that he just does it and we sometimes don't even realize it. Oh, praise God. I want you to know God has lots of surprises. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You know, it's a good day. It's good to see folks here from Kenya. Amen. Kenya. Hallelujah. Jumbo. <laughs> and from Democratic Republic of the Congo. Where are you? Amen. Kinshasa. And you know, in just a few, the Lord willing, in just a few weeks, actually, maybe a couple of weeks, I'll be in Kenya and then over to Kinshasa, Democratic Republic of the Congo, with Pastor Ben Musa, and uh, doing a revival there. And then doing a conference in Kenya. And so it's wonderful. It's amazing to me how God puts people together. I tell you the truth. From all different, this church looks like our church. It looks like the United Nations. I tell you, there are people here, all kinds of folks here. That's what a real church supposed to look like. Amen. I never have been too excited about all white, all black, and all whatever churches. I believe in people being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, made a part of the family of God. Of the family of God. We're brothers and sisters. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And I hear, I hear you got a couple of basketball players here today. Well, what a harvest. God can use your life. Amen. Take your Bible for a few minutes this morning. I'm not going to take a long time, but turn over to the book of Acts, if you will. The book of Acts and uh, chapter 26. I'd like to minister on something that is a very powerful thought in my heart today, and that is the heavenly vision. In one place, the Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. Someone said it's not as much as we think a sin problem that people have, but a vision problem. Because it says, without a vision, in one translation, the people take off all their clothes and run naked in the streets. How many know that's not a good thing? That's kind of scary. And especially, I mean, you know what I'm saying. So, without a vision, you don't have a vision for your life. You don't see what's possible. You have to dream. You have to have a vision. Amen. It is important. And the Apostle Paul is moved and motivated throughout his life by heavenly vision. In Acts chapter 26 and verse number 13, here is this great apostle, the apostle Paul, giving his testimony before King Agrippa. And he says, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. 
Now this man, let me just say, was a hitman for the Sanhedrin. That was a group of people that uh, claimed to be super spiritual and, and, and the elite. And he is a man who is a blasphemer. He arrests people that are Christians. He takes people away from their homes. He locks them up. He was even a murderer. Here he is en route, the scripture says, and on his way, and it says, and when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. And he didn't say, I am just God. He didn't say, I'm the man upstairs. I'm the higher power. He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. How many know that Jesus is God? How many know he is the son of God? He is indeed the Lord, and he's coming back. Hallelujah. He's coming back for us. I hope he comes back before this service is over. Praise God. Let the Antichrist pay the bills. Glory to God. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, and from the Gentiles unto whom now I will send thee, to open the, now here it is, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God. That's what I'm going to do in Africa. I'm going to believe God to turn people from darkness to light and from the power of the devil and witchcraft unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance. Forgiveness, whoa, that's a wonderful thing. And an inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I want you to see just three simple truths that are so powerful, and that first one is heaven's touch. There are many, many people right now in this country that are going to church, but they have never experienced heaven's touch. Going through the motions and never knowing what it is to be saved, redeemed, and touched by the Lord. Not knowing the hand of God upon their life. Here's this man, the Bible says in verse 13, at midday there was a light from heaven, brighter than the sun. And as he's journeying along, he has an encounter with God, Jesus, right from heaven. It transformed his life. In a moment like that, he was changed. That's how God saves people. It's not... It's not uh, 19 yards uh, of memory and doing all these things and works, uh, but in that moment, his life was transformed. That's the history of the Jones tribe. My dad was saved like that, and he was a heathen. I'm telling you the truth. I was saved like that, and I was a rebellious, wicked, devil-possessed preacher's kid. But God changed my life. There are many people today who have never had a visitation 
from God. People who are saved know they're saved. People who are saved know when they got saved. They had an experience. It wasn't just church. It was Christ who met them where they were, whether it was in a car, in a church, or on a basketball court. Wherever they were, something happened in them that reminded them that they don't belong to this world. They're part of another world, the kingdom of God, and this is just a passing through experience. We're passing through. You know something? The Bible says life's but a vapor. Don't waste your vapor. Can you say amen? No one can be a Christian without heaven's touch. You can talk the talk, but you can't walk the walk. No one. This is very precious. This thing of being saved and knowing God is very real. It's very precious. If you'd like to look at a scripture in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44, it's a wonderful verse, Matthew 13 and verse number 44. And here in Matthew, it tells us what value there is in knowing Jesus and being a part of the kingdom of God. Here it says, Matthew 13, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in the field. And the which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Here the kingdom of God, he says heaven is like a treasure. He sees it in a field. I don't know how he found it. Maybe he happened to be walking along and kicked something and there was a box there. And he happened to move some dirt and he lifts the lid and wow. What's he do? He goes and sells everything he has so he can buy that field and own that treasure. That's how the kingdom of God works in our life. We don't expect it. Here it comes. And we are ready to sell out. We're saying this is the best thing I've ever seen. This is amazing. Sell everything to have that treasure. And he goes and sells all that he has. He says there's nothing that can compare to this in order to buy that field. The second thing I want to say about this is not just heaven's touch, but now there's heaven's obedience. This is important. Obedience. The key to heaven's intervention in my life and in your life is heaven's intervention. And then there's heaven's obedience. I'll have an intervention. I didn't expect it. I tell you the truth. And then when there's that intervention, then there has to be obedience. In that, in that obedience, God opens doors that I never dreamed. God does things that are beyond my understanding and ability to reason. In that obedience is when God begins to wow me and show me and say, look at what I can do. You know, it would be nice if God just gave us all a preview and said, now, when you obey me, look at all these wonderful things. I have your husband, I have your wife, I have your children, I have all this. Look here, you're going to come into this and you're going to be this and I'm going to move you into this. No, it doesn't work that way. There's the touch of God and then there's the intervention of the Holy Spirit. Maybe in a place like this, it used to be a bar, a club. And we walked in here, man, alive. I mean, I'm looking at miracles here today. I'm looking at miracles here. 
I mean, there's even some Joneses here today that got saved. When you see some Joneses that got saved, you're looking at a wonder. You know what a miracle, signs, miracles, and wonders? You know what a wonder is, don't you? Makes you wonder. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then there's obedience, and he doesn't give us a preview and say, now listen, this is all I'm going to do for you if you just obey. No. He looks for faith in him. Obedience to his word. And saying, ah, I see. I will obey you, Lord. And in that moment, we begin to walk in the divine drama and purpose of God. This was Paul's secret, is he speaks and God spoke to him, and he's just saying, I want to be first in your life. Paul, I want to be first in your life. This is a personal decision. It's not just a corporate church. This is a personal decision. You see, vision has to be apprehended personally. It's not just something we're part of a, a big flow here and we're all just, you know, involved here. We're, we're in the stream and we're part of it. No, there is something in my heart that I have to personally, every day, make a choice. Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Amen. This can sound hard for us, but it, I'm going to tell you, the way of the sinner is hard. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Because they're at the mercy of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they don't know what's coming until maybe like a grandmother prays or somebody believes for them or somehow they step in to a place where the gospel's preached. And so there are things that can interfere, though, in our obedience. Let me just give you a few of them. One of them is family. Family. Jesus said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? You know, sometimes even when our family doesn't agree with us living for God, we have to make our own choice to serve God. And then there's sometimes a job that can move us out of the will of God or a job that isn't becoming to a Christian. I thank God I'm not, I'm not in the world. Amen. And some of you, if you weren't uh, serving God, no telling where we'd be at, where we'd be working. But when it comes to obeying God, sometimes it's a job. Sometimes there's besetting sin, some unclean habit, something that we think, oh, no one, it doesn't hurt anyone, but indeed it does because it hurts us and we always are part of somebody else. And then there's always bitterness and unforgiveness that hurts so many people that they just can't let it go. Some things you got, folks, you have, we have to just let go. They're not doing us any good. You know what unforgiveness is like? Unforgiveness is like, uh, uh, well, having a bottle of poison, and then because we're bitter, we drink it. Hmm? Unforgiveness say, oh, I just, I can't get over this. Bam, bam, bam. I just can't get over what they did to me. They said this about me. Bam, bam, bam. Kind of crazy. Let it go. You'd be surprised what God can do. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? What if, what if this guy that I'm talking to you about had not obeyed God? Did you know that two-thirds of the New Testament we wouldn't even possibly have? He wrote it. What if he'd have said, well, I don't have time for all this. I've got my own vision. What if he'd have done that? 
you know what? We wouldn't even possibly known about the rapture because he gave us the revelation of the coming of Christ. We may have not even known about the Gentile revelation because he was the one who was called and separated to, to speak to us. We're Gentiles today, but we're grafted in to the olive tree. And because of that, we're all spiritual Jews. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Jews are rich. Amen. Hallelujah. I used to have a guy years ago in the church I pastor. He hated Jews. You know, honest to God, I can't understand why people hate people. It is a hard thing. You know, when you get saved, God puts a love in your heart for all people. But he hated Jews. He hated Jews. And he didn't mind telling folks. So one day when I was, when I was preaching away, I said, I want you to know today God is a Jew. And he's going to get everything you got. <laughs> oh, yes, Jesus was a Jew. But I'm telling you today, thank God for the Gentile revelation that we're part, glory to God. Now I want to close. Can you say thank you? Amen. Heaven's purpose is found in verse number 16. Verse number 16. Does anybody have it? Heaven's purpose, number 16. Anybody have it? Acts 26. Do you have it, Pastor? Read it for us. So he says here, get up off of your hukumoshai. That's your backside being interpreted. Go tell, go tell, tell somebody, speak, I have called you to be a witness. You know, you can't take go out of the gospel. And when he, when he saves us, touches us, and we're obedient, the very next thing is he puts our faith into action. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give anything for, for an ex religion that was only in church. It's dead. It's dead. Something that moves out where we live. And you know what? If we're willing, the Holy Spirit just opens the doors. And God just gives us opportunity. And he just speaks through us. What do we do? We just tell what has happened to us. We just tell how he changed my life. How he changed your life. How he gave us a new start. Forgave us. Put our home back together. Delivered us from all kinds of ugly things. Gave us a purpose in life. And so he gives us a purpose. And if God was finished with you today, he'd just take you on home. How many, how many glad today God's not finished with you? How many, amen. You know, how many don't want to go home today? There you go. I remember this preacher was preaching somewhere in Texas. And he was preaching away and he said, how many want to go to be with Jesus? How many want to go to heaven? And one old, big old Texan, you know how everything's bigger in Texas. Big old Texan sitting in the bank there. He didn't move. Everybody else raised their hands. He said, sir, don't you want to go? He said, I thought you was taking a load today. 
Oh, it's a corny joke, but I always laugh. <laughs> Nobody else laughs. I laugh at my own jokes. Amen. Well, I want to go, but everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Why? Because God put us here for a reason. Our body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. He gave us a mouth, and some of you, he gave a big one. I'm telling you something. He will use you to speak to others wherever you are. If you're willing to be a vessel, and you want to be a vessel, that's heaven's purpose. And when God saved us, he had a plan. It was your family. Like as Dwayne said, like his family. What a great testimony. God saves us. He has a city. He has a church. He has a nation. Yes, when God saved you, he put your name on a nation. He says, I'm going to use you to touch that nation. You're going to make a difference somewhere. You're not just drifting. You're not, you're not just drifting and going through life and just drifting along and hoping that you're going to get some breaks here and there. Let me tell you something. If you will pursue God's purpose in witnessing, did you know he'll give you a perfect plan for your life? You say, oh, I want to be this. I want to do this. Yes, I understand those things. But if you put God's purpose first, if I put God's purpose first, you know, this is how God works. He has a people in mind. I never dreamed growing up in church I'd end up going to the mission field. Amen. I never dreamed I would ever be a pastor. As a matter of fact, that was the furthest thing from my mind. You know, I didn't want to be a pastor. Amen. I'd rather, I'd rather do anything than that. But you know what? God had a plan. And God has a plan for your life. That plan is not always what we want but if we'll put his plan and his purpose in our lives in place and prioritize it you know what will happen God will begin to move and open doors that's why I said this is how obedience works obedience is something that says God I know you're right and you're leading and your will is right for me and I'm going to obey you and then we step into our destiny you know I don't like to use my family and a lot in preaching, but I can't help but remember my dad preaching. He's 91, going on 92, and uh, he's just so honorary he can't die. I mean, the devil don't even want him. <laughs> and he, he witnesses. He witnesses. And, you know, uh, he, he told me, he said, you know how, why I live so long? I said, why? Because you're so mean? He said, no. Of course, I tease him because he's wonderful, Dad. But he said, because I witness. He said, people who don't have a purpose in life, well, they're just at the mercy of the world. But I witness. I tell people about Jesus. And he witnesses. Passes out tracks. Puts tracks on cars all over Walmart parking lot. Got busted for putting tracks out in Walmart store. And the manager came, had his tracks, and said, are these yours? He said, no, sir, they're not mine. When he got home, he told my mom about it, and she said, Aren't, don't you feel bad and convicted because you lied? He said, I didn't lie. I gave them to him. <laughs> Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> 
got to witness in, in, in uh, goodwill. He calls it the bad will now. He got to witness in goodwill. Got arrested, got thrown in jail. It's the truth. Yeah, spent the night in jail. 90, 91. Walked in there and saw all those prisoners in there. They're all sitting around there. He goes like this. God bless y'all. And they said, we don't believe in God. He said, go to hell then. <laughs> Got cold in the middle of the night and was shaking. And God bless this man. He came over, gave him his blanket and wrapped him up in it got out he said it was horrible in there people crying out people screaming in the middle of the night demons manifesting I'm telling you something he'll live a long time he'll live a long time hallelujah you know what it takes grit to serve God but when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost when you get the word of God in your life he'll put a backbone in a jellyfish he'll put a backbone in a jellyfish hallelujah Look at somebody and say, he'll do it for you. <laughs> Praise God. We're in good crowd. We're in good company here today. Hallelujah. Where can you go to church and get what you're getting here today? Nowhere. Praise, right here's the place. Amen. I love your pastor. He has a great wife. Dynamite comes in small packages. <laughs> Hallelujah. And she's a trooper. I tell you, and he has a great family. Wonderful. Amen.